You're listening to Food for the Future on 980 CFPL and 980CFPL.ca. Here's your host, Peggy O'Neill. I'm Peggy O'Neill, home economist and host of Food for the Future. Today, we return to the monthly series, Back to the Future, in which we discuss the renewed interest in traditional approaches to food, farming, and natural resource preservation. Today, we're speaking with Jason O'Neill, president of the Middlesex Federation of Agriculture about professional practice in farming, preserving farmland, and springtime on the farm. Welcome, Jason. Thank you, Peggy. Really wonderful to have you here. Jason, it's our 100th episode. We've aired 100 shows on Food for the Future, and we've increased listenership in our time slot by 22%, which means people are really interested in farmers, family, and food. And I really wanted to have a farmer on the show. So I'm really delighted that you're here. And I'm wondering, why do you think farmers and families are alike? Well, I think the the biggest thing that have farmers and families alike, Peggy, is that farmers are families. 97% of Canadian farmers are family owned and operated. We work together throughout the day and have dinner together at night. We feel the same pinch at the grocery store as all of your listeners do. We all want healthy local food to provide our families and at times it becomes difficult. You know, Jason, that's really well said that farmers are families. And I think that that's something that we need to remember as we look to our future. And it's part of why we do this show that having families produce our food, people that really care about the land that do have many similarities, as you said, to families. There's a lot of things that farmers are experiencing that families are experiencing interest rates, high mortgages, a lot of debt to worry about, price of fuel. And as you mentioned, that farmers also eat. You can't always only have milk. You're a dairy farmer, Jason. So they are experiencing the uh, same pressures at the grocery store as everyone else. And thanks for sharing with us that farmers get up together. They eat their meals together. They laugh together. You know, they they get through their problems together. So it's, uh, it's really important for us to remember that. And thanks for bringing it up because that's really what this show is about, farmers, families, and food. Jason, I want to talk a little bit about what I call professional practice in farming. You know, we have these sort of ideas of professions in our minds. And I think, you know, farming is definitely a profession as well. You're the president of the Middlesex Federation of Agriculture for professional farmers. And so can you tell us what the Middlesex Federation of Agriculture does? Well, that vision that we all have of old McDonald's farm, it's a It's a nice picture to have in your mind, but it's not overly representative of agriculture today. Most farms today are specialized. They focus on dairy or beef or chickens or crops, and that farmer is an expert on looking after those animals or crops in the way, and they know what's best for them. The MFA is an organization that dates all the way back to the 1930s and is a unified voice for farmers to lobby the government with issues of the day. We represent over 1,900 farm families in Middlesex County and are a regular liaison to the county on agricultural issues. We also have connections with the Ontario Federation of Agriculture. We can send resolutions up to the the provincial board, and they can even go on to the Canadian Federation of Agriculture if necessary. We have access to OFA staff and can help direct any members in our county to the right resources when they need help. It's important for us to provide that assistance to farmers and know that they aren't alone and that if there's an issue that comes up, that we have a voice that we can go to whichever level of government is necessary, that we are representing these 1,900 farm families in the county and we need help with this or that. I think that's great. It's it's a real grassroots because 
the land isn't the same, you know, in the prairies as, as it is here. And some of the provincial uh, policies and other things that are happening are different. But it's nice to know that locally, we're talking Middlesex County here, and there, are, as you had mentioned, the Ontario Federation of Agriculture. So there are regions across the province, but also across Canada, that there is a way to um, collect almost, if you will, patterns in the things that farmers are concerned about. But also back to the point that you had said that farmers are specializing now. So you're you're an expert in dairy or you're an expert in cash cropping or you're an expert in um, hogs or whatever it is. And there is a lot of other specialized, like any agriculture person, there's, there's, they have a vet they can call. The crop people, there's agronomists who know nutrients and the connections of different chemicals and stuff far more than I ever possibly could. But all the companies that provide services to the farmers are out there and they provide these people and everyone is working together to produce as much food as we can, as cheaply as we can, and to just work together and success for everyone. Yeah, you know what, you're right. I'm really drawing a lot of uh, analogies, Tan. I, I guess it's because medicine is what I know most. Um, the the first part of my career was in uh, in healthcare. And, uh, you know, the physician doesn't do it all either. He works with occupational therapy or uh, physiotherapy or speech language. And just like farmers, that you have your network and you're almost like your your farm care team. We, we think of family health teams and we've got farm care teams where a lot of professionals are coming together to do the job. And uh, Middlesex Federation of Agriculture, having been around since the 30s, wow, that's really great. Lots, to, lots of great conversations, I'm sure, have happened across the decades. What are some of the things that uh, farmers are talking about or have their attention on these days? I think the biggest concern these days is land use. We're very committed to protecting farmland for all the future generations, not just 10, 20 years down the road, but you have to look 100, 200, 1,000 years down the road. People are always going to need to eat. Ontario is currently losing 319 acres of farmland a day to development. To visualize that is if we kept that up for 100 years, we would have no farmland left in Ontario. It would be all gone. A second concern is the fertilizer tariffs that were charged last spring to farmers on fertilizer that was imported due to the war in Ukraine. A 33% tax on a fertilizer that is essential to growing Canadian food hurts all Canadians. I would estimate that it probably raised the cost of growing a crop of corn or soybeans or wheat or anything by 10 to 15 percent alone. The carbon tax is also making food more expensive. Um, Bill C-234 just passed third reading in the House here recently. The bill aims to remove carbon tax from fuel that is used to dry grain, heat barns, and heat greenhouses. This is actually a bill from the Conservative, uh, Ben Lobb, up in here on Bruce, who I just had a meeting with here in the last week. And it was good to see that all the Conservatives, the NDP, the Green, the Bloc, and even three Liberals came together and voted on this to support it. So it's nice to see that all parties in Ottawa realize the importance of growing food and to make it affordable for everyone. So it's basically what you just said about agencies like Middlesex Federation of Agriculture trying to get a voice heard. And so really being able to come together and say, listen, here's here's something that we need to talk about. We need help. That What that meant to the consumer on, on one thing alone was an increased 10% in what food would cost. So we really need to have these conversations, understand where our food comes from, that farmers are, they really care. They're out there. They're families on the farm trying to keep the farms as families 
families today. All of these things are, I think, helpful in uh, listeners understanding that farming is a profession. It has its unique knowledge. It has uh, people who care a lot about it and have organizations like the Middlesex Federation of Agriculture that can help. And what are some of the challenges? I mean, we've talked about farmers coming together, not just as, um, you know, community members, farmers know their neighbors, they help each other out a lot of times. What are some of the biggest challenges that farmers who are trying to work together address? Um, I think one of the, the bigger challenges of working together is just the time constraints of needing everything. Like, as I'm sure as people have seen, first week of May or something, all of a sudden tractors hit the fields and it's nonstop. Like Ontario can almost plant its corn crop in four to five days or certainly 90% of it. And But with the cost of equipment these days, there are lots of people that share equipment and work back together or even with the labor shortages. I know lots of old farmers have retired. They're still capable of helping and they like to go out and they help their neighbors. They'll drive a cultivator or something and everyone's needed. Even the person that runs to go to town and get the part or the person that brings meals out to the field to keep everyone going. Everyone is an important cog in the wheel to keep everything going. A lot of coordination, all hands on deck. So the biggest challenges is just the sheer workload. And you said mm-hmm. something I, I I don't want to miss. I think it deserves repeating that all the planting gets done in a matter of days. It's amazing. So uh, workload's one of the biggest, one of the biggest challenges to farmers. There really is a very deep community and a lot of collaboration and a real sense of uh, connection among farmers, which is wonderful. I really hope that all of our neighbors, when they see us out on the road this spring, just please pass when it's safe. Nobody wants to, none of the farmers want to hold you up. We, we all just want to get where we're going as quickly and more importantly, as safely as possible. When it's safe, by all means pass, but look for the dotted line, look ahead, just keep everyone safe this planting season, please. That, that's a great message, Station. You know, you're not the first farmer on the show that has said, you know what, if you're behind a wagon or a tractor or what have you, just wave, thank us, we're working hard as opposed to being frustrated, but you've added to that the safety factor. So excellent, excellent point. Thank you for making it. But just before we go to break, I do want to pick back up on the preserving farmland. And you had given us the statistics, uh, roughly 319 acres every day. And I have seen those statistics mm-hmm. before. I believe it's, it's from the Ontario Federation of Agriculture. Is that right? Yes, that's correct. Yeah. And it's becoming more and more urgent. So I'm wondering what can listeners and what can citizens do to help this, that not just that land is being used for agricultural purposes, but that the land's owned by farmers and that families continue to produce our food? What can listeners do? That's a great question. Uh, I think the first part is that our urban areas need to grow inwards and upwards. There's lots of land inside of our cities that we need to make sure we do more efficiently and plan our growth. It's cheaper for a developer to come out and they want to make a subdivision, they just see an an empty field and, oh, that's cheaper and easier to go ahead and build a subdivision in there. But we need to look at the long-term plan of growing that for food. Once a farm is paved over and developed, it's lost forever. You'll never get it back to what it was before. The second part is a good question, and I don't know if anybody has the answer, but we need to come up with something to do to protect farmland. It's easy to see when a family has one or two farms and the parents retire if none of the kids want to carry on with farming it's it's easy to yeah maybe money's a lot easier to divide than a piece of land but i don't know what we can do i think we all need to just be aware that farmland is important and it's it's best for the farmers to own the land that they are farming we need to protect it but as far as how to make sure that families can continue to own it i i don't have the answer to that 
Well, we'll keep talking about it. And I think that you made that point. Well, first part is awareness, right? And that we will keep the conversation going, be creative. And anyone wanting to look into it, the Government of Canada's website has natural solutions to climate change, acknowledging the grasslands and how our grazers are supporting biodiversity. And the grass, of course, pulls emissions down into the land. And so it's something that we need to keep in mind in terms of the value, not just the value because uh, food can be produced on it, but everything else that it means in terms of the environment. So thank you for making that point. We'll have to keep the conversation going around keeping farmers on the land, owning the land and uh, working the land. After the break, we'll talk about springtime on the farm. This is Food for the Future, and I'm your host, Peggy O'Neill, home economist. Welcome back to Food for the Future on 980CFPL and 980CFPL.ca. Here's your host, Peggy O'Neill. Welcome back. I'm your host, Peggy O'Neill, Home Economist. You're listening to Food for the Future. We're speaking with Jason O'Neill, president of the Middlesex Federation of Agriculture about springtime on the farm. It's a time of optimism and new beginnings. And I'm wondering what some of your greatest hopes are this season. Well, I obviously hope for a bumper crop. High prices would be nice. And the most important thing is that it's a safe season for everyone. It's a busy time of year. People run long hours. And I just hope that there aren't any accidents. There aren't any farmers that don't go home at night. Yeah, you're right. You know, we definitely hear a lot of tragedies in the news and it's often just fatigue, trying to get something done by a certain period of time. So rushing and all of those things. So yeah, I I share your hopes and uh, send a big shout out to all the farmers who keep doing it every season. And I hope that your dreams come true this season, Jason, high prices, safe season and a bumper crop. So what's happening right now on the farm? What are what are you up to on your land? We're just getting ready to watch the ground and make sure that everything dries up and we're ready to go on time, that we've got all the all the cultivators are ready to go and the planters have all been tuned up. We'll come up with plans for which seed we want where, different varieties do better in different soil conditions and other ones, some need more heat than others. So you got to have everything planned out and organized and ready to go. And also on our farm, I mean, we're still milking the cows twice a day. And with our farm being organic, I'm gonna working on the pastures to make sure the fences haven't taken too much of a beating through the winter so the cows can go out to grass here as soon as we get nice grass it's usually early may is always my hope that i can get the cows out i bet they're hoping that too there's nothing better than that first day when the cows are back out on the grass anyone who's never seen cows let out to pasture for the first time of the spring i don't (laughs) think there's any happier feeling that you can watch and they all run and frolic and faster than you've ever seen them run they've been cooped up all winter in the barn and they are just ready to go out and enjoy the sunshine and the dewy grass and it's really something to experience it it really really is and you painted a really good picture and it's amazing so um what's a typical day look like jason we've already talked about how there's really long hours and um but there's love behind those long hours. The one thing I, I notice in talking to farmers and growing up around them is they really love the land. They love food. They love what they do. So what's happening on the farm right now in terms of a typical day for you? Well, typical day, we get up at 530 in the morning and we milk the cows and make sure they all get fed, feed the calves, keep everything cleaned up. We usually finish in the barn about 930, 10 o'clock. And then if we're not busy in the fields, we like to try and take a couple hours off because when we start it. 5.30 in the morning and finish at 9 or 10 at night, that's a pretty long day. If it's time to go to the fields, and that's when we head out to the fields. 
So busy, busy time. And even those you, you say, try to take a couple hours off, that's that there's book work to be done. And like you said, that plant science, figuring out what, what seeds going in what field and super, super, super yep. busy days. Um, in this show, we try to bring the humanities. So history, philosophy and creativity, today's food dialogue, which is, I guess, a fancy way of saying, why do you love farming, Jason? My favorite part, I think, is that every day is different. I usually have somewhat of an idea what I'm going to do, but things never go according to plan. Some days you've got to be an amateur electrician or plumber or veterinarian or equipment operator or mechanic, accountant. You never know what's going to happen. Every day is different. I really enjoy working with the animals. I don't think there's much more that's more satisfying to me than you feed the cow, you see her eat it all, and she turns it into milk, and you know that she's doing well and she's happy and you care for them. I enjoy planting a seed in the spring with the optimism of the rain's going to come at the perfect time and everything's going to work out just perfectly this year. This is the year that we're going to really grow a bumper crop and always watching the markets to see when sh- when should I sell? How much sh- should I commit books some now? Should I wait? Managing that. I mean, it's, it's one thing to try and hit the highest prices, but you have to line it up with your cash flow too. Sometimes you need to sell a crop when you don't necessarily want to because you need some money to keep the bills paid. Or It's a whole big picture of just trying to keep everything rolling. As you were speaking, I was just imagining like all these cycles of life, you know, the seasons, the day, plant life, be talking about a cow eating and, you know, enjoying what she's eating and then converting it to milk for some someone else to enjoy, to sustain their life and all this interconnectedness. And even the planning, I mean, my top priority is always to make sure that I have enough good feed for the cows to feed them all winter and get through to the spring. But I also don't want to put up a lot more feed than I need because that is crop that I could sell to then use that money to supplement other parts of the operation. So it's a fine line to be comfortable that you have enough and that you know you're going to make it and you're not going to be standing around in a blizzard on the 15th of March wondering what am I going to feed today. So economic cycles, not just life cycles mm-hmm. that you're trying to take a look at. Can I get enough enough sold that I can pay for other things? Jason, thank you so much. I think today what you've done is really give a window into the world of a farmer for listeners. I'm sure other farmers listening to the show, we have urban and rural areas that listen uh, in that the other farmers will be going, yeah, that's right. That's what it's like. You get up at 530 and, you, and your day ends at you know nine. And I think that for people, families right now who are um, listening in, it's it's an education. It's an understanding of this profession that is farming and this deep knowledge, but also the true sincerity, you know, with which you approach your work, that all of these things, they matter a lot. And so this show is called Food for the Future. And you've certainly let us know how farmers help build a brighter future for all of us for the way forward together. So thank you for that. And do you have any final thoughts that you want to offer our listeners before we sign off today? I think, well, I would just encourage all of your listeners to learn more about agriculture, learn about how your food is grown. There are tons of job opportunities in agriculture. If you think it's something you'd like to do, you don't need to have grown up on a farm to contribute to agriculture if that's something that strikes you. Guelph has an amazing program that has trained lots of urbanites into agriculture. You could be an agronomist, you can be a veterinarian, you can be a feed sales rep. There's tons of stuff you can do. And I just encourage people to get out there and ask questions. Farmers are very sociable people. We we are happy to answer your questions. The Real Dirt on Farming is a great publication. Check one out and you want to know and we want to teach. We want everyone to understand what we do and how it is going to contribute to a better food for the future for all of us. So yeah, if you just have any questions, we're happy to talk. 
Jason, I think that I see some uh, new t-shirts coming. You want to know and we want to teach. And I think that's such a great uh, thing in terms of thinking about farming that ask a farmer. Certainly the Middlesex Federation of Agriculture has got a really great website and wonderful, wonderful show today, Jason. Thank you so much uh, for being on the show, for the work that you do and to your entire family and to really all farmers for all the work that they do, especially for joining me to celebrate our 100th episode. I'm delighted that you were here. I'd like to congratulate you on 100 episodes, Peggy. It's a great accomplishment and the Federation has been more than happy to help support your program. I think that you're doing fantastic work to help teach people about how their food is produced. It's an important aspect and I'm glad that you provide this here for everyone to connect. I hope that it can continue on for a long time. Thank you so much, Jason. I'm actually a little teary-eyed here because it is a creative uh, success to do 100 shows and to receive that special acknowledgement from you means so much to me that you you like the show and that we do have a really bright future together. Thank you so much. Today on Food for the Future, we've been speaking with Jason O'Neill, President of the Middlesex Federation of Agriculture about professional practice in farming, preserving farmland, and springtime on the farm. Each week, we leave you with something to talk about and something to do. Something to talk about? What could you do to thank a farmer? Something to do? Search Middlesex, Ontario, or Canadian Federation of Agriculture to learn more about professional practice in farming and to find messages written by farmers for families. As Jason said, you want to know, they want to teach. Next week on the show, we return to the monthly series, Food for Thought. It's Earth Day, and we'll be discussing sustainability in farming, urban agriculture, and home growing. I'm your host, Peggy O'Neill, Home Economist, and you've been listening to the weekly show, Food for the Future. Thank you to our platinum-level sponsors, Burnbrae Farms, Eggs for Life, and the Middlesex London Food Policy Council. Food for the Future with Peggy O'Neill airs every Saturday at 8.30 on 980 CFPL and 980 CFPL.ca.